Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Birth mothers need support and the ability to grieve after placing a child for adoption. This is why adoption aftercare services are paramount. As a nonprofit Arizona adoption agency, we developed, funded, and supported the Donna K. Evans Foundation. In many instances, a birth mother is parenting other children in the home when she is pregnant and placing that baby for adoption. What is often unresearched, undiscussed, unexamined is the effects of a birth mother placing her baby for adoption on the other children currently in the home. Right. That makes sense. And sometimes this can happen and the birth mother can go on and have children later on in life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this can happen where, like I said, at the time, there's no other children in the home, but she goes on to have other children. Does it affect those children? Does her inability to receive Adoption aftercare services affect not only her, but her children. So without counseling and a support system, a birth mother may not have the ability to continue to parent in the manner she wants to, and her grief may or may not affect her daily living. So aftercare services are designed to be wraparound services to help her process grief that she may have and provide the support that she may need. Through the Donna Cavins Foundation, we, as Building Arizona Families, have developed this foundation to make sure that we are leaving no stone unturned, Mm -hmm. that we are crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's. Sometimes if a birth mother doesn't have support and the ability to grieve, she may attempt to fill the loss by jumping into another relationship and getting pregnant again. That isn't the answer or the solution, especially when she wasn't able to parent the baby that she just placed for adoption. Certainly. I think guilt and shame are are two of the emotions that are very pronounced for a birth mother after Mm -hmm. placement of a baby for adoption. Once the baby is born, the decision to place the baby for adoption um, brings about significant feelings of guilt about concerns regarding is she rejecting the child is she doing something wrong should this be kept a secret and again aftercare programs can teach educate inform birth mothers and birth parents after the baby is placed for adoption even though they may have received the same information during the course of their pregnancy 
in preparation for the adoptive placement, hearing it again, they're going to hear it with new ears because the event has occurred. Right. This Preparing, is now, you're at a different point in your life. Yes. And so it sounds different to you. It's like when you're a senior in high school and you're getting ready for graduation and you're told after you graduate, it's going to feel like this, this, and this. You know, I had, when I was a school counselor, I had kids that would tell me, oh, I'm just going to sit back and see what happens. You know, I'm not going to apply to school. I'm just going to, I'm going to see what comes my way. I know 50 year olds that are like that, but okay. <laughs> and well, I tell, I would tell the 50 year old the same thing I have told the 17 and 18 year olds. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to come your way. You're going to have to get up and go look for it. There you go. There's no colleges that are going to come knocking at your door. <laughs> There's no employers that are going to come ringing your doorbell. Uh, you know, we heard about you through the grapevine. <laughs> I know you didn't put in an application, but uh, <laughs> right. But your time on social media has been so significant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That your dedication really speaks yeah. for your character. Yep. <laughs> so that's not likely to happen. No. I mean, it's not impossible, but not likely. Um, it's probably probably Closer about as to... likely as waiting for the Hogwarts letter right. when you turn 12 or 13. Okay. So... <laughs> Other birth parents may feel guilt and shame if they decided to keep the adoption a secret. So again, there's a lot of aspects and entities that can come into play when a birth mother places a baby for adoption and doesn't have an outlet to express the feelings and emotions she's experiencing. Because she's already hidden everything from everybody for nine months. If that's the path she chose, right. yes. Yes. Okay. So you say that... Uh, the effects of going through the adoption process affect the, the children, the other children in the house, if there are any as it, well. It, it can, sure. Now, does the Donna K. Evans Foundation have programs to help counsel them or help them get yeah, through some absolutely. of that? So we, we can provide uh, referrals out to community resources. We also have an adoption counselor that will be happy to do a session with the children uh, to help them understand what's going on. And I think that that's really valuable because, again, education is key and the biggest component. It also can give them an outlet. Okay. In this podcast, we're going to hear from my biological brother, mm -hmm. who was born approximately 18 months after I was born. My, Like you said, that quick fill the void turnaround, yes, right? is exactly what happened. My mother was in... 10th grade and had me uh, in January and dropped out shortly after I was born and left the state and met my brother's father mm -hmm. and hooked up with him and had him on our 18th birthday. Wow. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear from him. What we're talking about in this episode is aftercare services for women who placed a baby for adoption. And it is my belief that mom would have had a very different life had she received services like counseling and everything else rather than nothing and basically keeping it a secret. Well, see, you also got to understand, you know, at that time, you know, we was living in, in the back hills of literally West Virginia, you know, so the, uh, the only kind of services that kind of, sort of maybe was there it was called the mental health clinic. To me, that that's like, you know, besides going into town to the actual hospital, you know, the only other place was, it, it, was, a, it was like a doctor's place set up in, in a trailer, if you can picture 
Gotcha. Right. And I think that if the attorney that she was working with, if he had, you know, provided her some type, if there was no aftercare services back then, if she had received services, if they had been available, I think that she would not have grieved and not had struggled with depression and anxiety like she told me that she was struggling from for so long because she never was able to resolve those issues. So can you... She she struggled with it until she died. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. And I I agree. Um, Can you talk about when you first found out that I existed, like from her and... But see, I didn't find out from her. Okay. I found out when I was probably like, I say I was like maybe nine, ten years old. Yeah, just tell the story. Exactly where, yeah, I can tell you exactly where I was. My grandma, my dad's mother, he always liked to run my mom in, in the ground anyways, just talk about her. And uh can't exactly remember ex- the exact words, what brought her up to say this, but I was standing like right in front of the doorway of the trailer and she was to the right where the kitchen area was and she just said you're lucky your mom your mama kept you and didn't give you up like she did your sister wow and you know I was it wasn't like I was an infant at that time you know I I knew what she just said you know even though I was a hillbilly child growing up in West Virginia I still understood literally just told me that I had an older sister, basically. And I just, it's hard to explain, you know, because I was so young, I still remembered an empty void, kind of, that I just didn't have no explanation on why it was there. You know, why did I feel like that? I just, something internally just nagged at me, and when my grandmother said that, it was like lights going off, like ding dong, ding dong. That was it. I had a sister out there that I didn't know I had, but somehow we shared kind of bond without even knowing about it because I just felt empty. And when I found that out, it, it didn't completely fill it. I didn't get that emptiness filled until I hugged my sister at the airport, standing beside my mother. That's when it actually, wow, completeness, you know? So I knew from a very young age that my sister was out there. I just, I just didn't know who she was. Or where she was. When when your grandmother told you that, did you go back to mom and ask her anything? Yes. I, I asked mom, and mom told me that, you, that I already knew how my grandma was, that she was crazy, and that that wasn't true. And I just felt mom was saying that, so I didn't look at her in a different way. You know, like... She didn't want me to look at her like, wow, you really gave up my sister. You know, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, she she wanted me to look at her as the, the superwoman she was, you know? Because 
you, my mom, <laughs> mom went through some stuff, man, and I saw some things that children should never see. You know, but I was there for her. You know, holding her head up off the floor when she just got knocked out. Yeah. Now, my how mom was the first person I ever see get knocked out? How old were you when your mom finally did admit to you what had happened or, t you know, talk to you about it? I don't think I ever had a conversation. Really? So it just happened? Yeah. yeah. It just, boom. Kelly was here. Now, you told me that you used to go to the library and try to find me or something? You know, like the hospital records say, you know, hmm. this person gave birth to... A, a child and stuff, and I can never just find anything that, you know, with my mom's name. Gotcha. But I was also, I've never been computer or technology friendly either, you know. Yeah, me so, neither. The stuff that I looked at was, uh, it was on that clear paper, like plastic, and you put it, and it makes it bigger. What, what are those? Micrograph? Microfish. Microfish. Yeah, fish. Yeah, microfish. Looking back at the situation as it happened. How do you think knowing if you had known about me growing up and you had known, you know, that there was an adoption? I mean, mom was only 16 when I was born and, you know, they did what they felt was best. How do you think it would have affected you if you would have known? Do you think it would have been better having had all of the information all along? Do you think it would have been harder? What do you think? Because times were different back then. Mm -hmm. Yes, it really was. You know, I mean, that's a good question. I feel that if, I'm kind of glad that it happened the way it did, because at least I had some kind of understanding on how I was feeling, to where if nothing would have ever been said, my grandma wouldn't have ever said anything, you know, I would have never known what why that was, you know, I would always had questions or something that I didn't even know if I would know what the answer was. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's ask the age old question. How has adoption impacted your life positively and negatively? That's a tough question. That's the toughest one yet. I'm sorry. Honestly, because I, I feel against it because it's not fully it just in some way because I was robbed a lot of a lot of years from you but on the other hand it, it was I'm kind of glad that you didn't have to you know live the way I did you know so, because it was rough, you know, when you can remember looking in the cabinets, the refrigerator, seeing nothing but a, one can of lima beans, and we're so hungry, we fight, mom, make us that, and then didn't like it, but was forced to eat it by my stepdad, so we wouldn't waste food. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that for you. I wouldn't want that for anybody. So there's, there's, you know, like you said, there's positive things about adoption for me, and there's negative things. 
still can have you, but not have you go through what I went through. But then again, you know, if mom is never made to give you up for adoption, we, we our paths have been differently. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have been here, be here. Michael, you know, might have been here, but you know, not me, because I was so close after. You know, I mean, I know this is tough on you, and I just want to say I really appreciate you, your honesty and your candor. It's it, it's obviously not easy, but thank you so much for sharing with us. What would you say, to kind of close this, what would you say to a woman who is placing her baby for adoption because she's just in a place that she cannot parent, and she does have other children? What advice would you give her? Would you tell her to talk about the child to the other children? Would you say to wait until they're older? What would you say as somebody who's been through this? I think they should be honest because secrets always come out. And sometimes they come out at the worst time. So honesty, honestly, is the key. Just be honest. Yes, you got a brother or sister out there. I had you guys, I, I, I was barely taking care of you guys or whatever the case may be, you know, and just let them know that, you know, there is someone else out there. I just had to put them in a better place than what we was. I was already punishing you guys or you singly, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't see to do that to another child. Honesty. I, I agree with you. I think that's perfect advice. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. One thing that kind of caught my eye or my ear, I guess I should say, as we were talking to your brother, is that not only are aftercare services so vital now, and it could have changed your and his life so much to have that available back then, but also how much more these days open and semi-open adoptions are. And they're so much more prevalent than they were back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know. And I think that would have changed his life immensely. To have been able to talk to you on the phone, I think we're going in a positive direction in adoption. And I I think that's vital. I think that is too. And I think from his perspective, Mm -hmm. adoption is not something that an immature mind could have looked at as positively when he was younger. But because he is mature and he is able to look back at the situation as it was, Mm -hmm. and he is able to see the positives of adoption now, it is a dichotomous answer. It is, he is able to see both sides. And I'm just so proud of him that he has gotten to that place and can recognize that it is what it is. And and yes, there are things that could have been done differently. Right. And honesty is key. And yeah, I think that was amazing. He's absolutely right. There's a quote from Margaret McDonald Lawrence who says, neither society nor the adopter who holds a child in her arms wants to confront the agony of the mother from whose arms that same child was taken. That quote alone is why we as society need to turn towards adoption aftercare services absolutely rather than away and turning a blind eye to the woman that is the trunk of adoption is negligence on every level 
And my adoption story is the poster child of why aftercare services are so necessary. Are so necessary. I was placed for adoption in 1973. My mother was 16 years old. She made the selfless decision to choose adoption for me. I was adopted by a wonderful adoptive family, and because I was placed for adoption, I was able to go to school, I was able to go to college, and I was able to get my master's degree. My name is Kelly Rooks-Gary. I'm the director and co-founder of Building Arizona Families and the Donna K. Evans Foundation, which we nicknamed SWAP, Supporting Women After Placement. After I co-founded the agency, I actually looked for my mother, and I found her in 2007. My mother struggled with her adoption choice. In her struggle, had she had help, assistance, and counseling, she might have had a much better experience and she might have not struggled with depression or anxiety or guilt. And so we developed the Donna K. Evans Foundation. The Donna K. Evans Foundation is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that helps women after they have placed a child for adoption. We want to give women the services and the support that women like my mother did not receive. Our goal is to let women know that women matter, that they made the right choice when they chose adoption. And what we've learned as we've done adoptions for over 14 years is birth mothers need help and we want to be the ones to help them. We know about the selfless choice that they made and we support them and we support their choice. When a woman comes into our agency, we are able to give them an emergency food box immediately. A woman can come into our office and receive a food box even if she is not pregnant. Our food pantry is funded through private donations, both financially and through food donations. We have a clothing closet right here at our facility. We have a maternity clothing for the women who are in our adoption program and are looking for clothing the minute they walk through our door. And we have, in all sizes, these are all donated clothing. We have clothing that is appropriate for job interviews, that is appropriate for regaining their self-esteem. We do have GED materials on site for women who are interested in obtaining their GED. We also have computers that you can use for practice testing to help obtain your GED as well. We also have domestic violence services. We can help with restraining orders. We can also help with emergency housing through hotel vouchers. We're looking for monetary donations so you can help support this fantastic program that's going to help hundreds of women after they have placed a child for adoption. We want to give them a hand up, not a handout. Donations could include anything from clothing to non-perishable food to GED study guides to temporary bus passes. We need you to help us help them. Be part of the solution make a difference in all of these women's lives. The adoption community is a large community and you're part of it. You are part of the solution. We chose angel wings for our logo because angels were important to my mother. Angel wings are symbolic of being able to fly. The goal of the Donna Cabins Foundation is to help women find their wings so they can fly. Please contact us through the Donna K. Evans Foundation on our website at the dkefoundation.com.
We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and start it on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song I Don't Know as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.